Hello, and welcome to Sobercast. We provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in a podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Also, if you're a member of NA or have friends that are, please tell them about our other podcast, NAPOD. NAPOD features NA speakers and workshops in the same format as Sobercast. We upload a new speaker every day, and it's easy to subscribe by searching for NAPOD, N-A-P-O-D, all one word, on any podcast player app, or go to NAPOD.XYZ if you'd like to listen online. Hope you enjoy the podcast and have a great day. I'm Sean. I'm an alcoholic. Um, So thank you guys for letting me come out and speak to you today. Um, Thank you, Becca, for asking me to speak. I've been sober since April 5th, 2012. Um, I have a home group. Um, Currently, my home group is Lake City Young Peoples. Um, I just relocated from New Jersey about a month ago, and there was Monday Night Lifeline in Collingswood, New Jersey. If for any reason you're in South Jersey, let me know, and I can show you a meeting. Um, I have a sponsor. Um, I've been through the steps multiple times. Um, I've taken guys through the steps. Um, I do my best to practice these principles in all my affairs. I don't do it perfect. I don't even do it well a lot of the time. Um, but at the end of the day, I know how close to the AA beam I've gotten off of and how close I'm I'm on it. Um, So anyway, a little bit about uh, what it was like. Um, You know, my life growing up was chaotic. Um, Not to get into all the gory details, but, um, you know, I came from a typical East Coast Irish Catholic family eight or seven brothers and sisters, stepbrothers, divorces, half-brothers. Um, it was easy for me, you know, parents had four kids by the time they were the age I am now. Um, and it was very easy to feel like, um, growing up, like I was just another mouth to feed. Um, it was easy to feel like, um, it was easy to have no ambition. It was easy to have, uh, no real goals for my life. Um, and, it was easy for me to come up with a lot of excuses for why I behaved the way I behaved and why I felt the way I felt. Um, you know, you hear it all the times in these rooms that, um, growing up, I didn't feel comfortable with myself. Um, I felt like a square peg in a round hole. Um, you you know, you hear these things all the time because they're the truth. Um, and for me, I had a lot of excuses, you know, for why I was that way, for why I couldn't fit in, for why I couldn't seem to make friends, um, for why I couldn't seem to have a normal conversation with somebody uh, without freaking out. Um, And I'd blame it on anxiety or depression or um, any handful of other things that that I could read about or or Google. Um, But I come to find out later that it was symptoms of untreated alcoholism. I found that out because when I was probably about 17 and a half, um, 
I began to drink and use drugs. And, um, you know, the, <clears throat> the funny thing about that is all these things that I thought I had that I thought I needed medication and therapy for, it turned out drugs and alcohol fixed it. Um, you know, so, and <clears throat> for me, it was especially the drink. Um, you know, it, especially when I, when I really found alcohol, um, it was a magical feeling, quite honestly. Um, it did everything for me that I could not do for myself. Um, it allowed me to, to be able to connect with people. Um, it allowed me to, to, to be confident. Um, it, it allowed me to make friends, uh, to go out places. Um, and most of all, it allowed me to really finally say the things I'd been holding in for so long. Um, about my parents, about my stepmom specifically, and my father. And uh, so suffice it to say, I was kicked out of my house by the time I was 19 um, for finally letting these people know how I really felt. Um, from there, and I, from there, I, I remember I was about 19, and um, a lot happened. This was, this was my first probably three months of really hardcore everyday drinking. And um, in that three months, I managed to get kicked out of my house, lost a girlfriend, lost a job, and I could not be happier because I finally found a thing that I had been looking for my entire life. Um, I moved into an apartment. I had no furniture. I had three milk crates, um, an old PlayStation 1 that I could play DVDs on, and of an AM, FM radio built into an alarm clock. Um, and I slept in a mattress in the closet so that I could sleep till whenever and still have the darkness. Um, and like I said, couldn't be happier. You know, all I needed was my drink, you know. Um, as long as I had that, I knew I was going to be okay. Um, but alcohol turned on me uh, pretty quickly. Um, I know a lot of people get in here young because of really hardcore drugs. With me, it was pretty much just alcohol. Um, you know, I... By the time I came in here, I was about 23. Um, I had multiple car wrecks, um, DUI, um, tons of, and just tons of just wreckage, just on a weekly basis. I was getting into a fight with somebody or, or cursing somebody out or, or just doing something generally destructive and getting in trouble and, and embarrassing myself and being um, just a mess of a person. Um, I got 12-stepped at my job. Um, by another member of AA that we hired. And I did not like this guy at all from the day I met him. He was Canadian and was very quick to tell everybody how much he hated America. Not exactly, but that's how I heard it. Um, and this guy from the interview was like, yeah, I'm a recovering alcoholic and crackhead, and I did $200 worth of crack every day. I'm like, why did you hire this guy? I'm like, that was a poor decision. Um, and, but they hired him for some reason, and, and uh, that's why I'm a little iffy about anonymity sometimes, because you know I would never do that. I'm just not that kind of person to be so uh, open about that. But that was a big part of the reason that I got here. So one day I just kind of walked up to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about stopping drinking sometime. And he's like, oh, you think you might be an alcoholic? How much do you drink? 
oh, that's a lot. And I was lying about how much I drank. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he's like, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to a meeting. I'm like, Thursday. I'm like, well, like, it's all happening so fast. He's like, we can meet my sponsor. I'm like, oh, meet your sponsor. I don't know how that sounds, but this is, getting, this is getting weird now. And he hands me a big book. And um, this was about four years ago. As of right now, I have about three and a half years sober. Um, the reason for that is I came with him. I came to that meeting. Um, I met the people, and they were all really nice people, but I just didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I was really an alcoholic. Um, and I kind of went with the excuse of, hey, uh, I'm just here to see if I'm an alcoholic or not, when really I was just trying to find a reason that I wasn't an alcoholic. And ironically, I used the excuse that everybody I knew had heroin addiction, so therefore I'm not an alcoholic. I don't belong here. Um, <clears throat> and I left. Um, I didn't even leave. Um, I just didn't. You know, um, the important thing about coming to AA is it's more than just coming to AA. And all I wanted to do was come to AA. Um, I didn't want to get a sponsor. I didn't want to work any steps. I didn't want to pick a home group. I didn't want to pick up a commitment. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to come to the meetings. And I lasted about 28 days and relapsed. Um, and continually got three days relapsed, four days relapsed. I remember the first time I relapsed because I was going to go to a meeting and I overslept and um, for an 8 p.m. meeting. And <clears throat> I don't know, it's, it's almost like when you try to quit smoking and the next thing you know you're walking out of a gas station with a pack of cigarettes. It was the same thing with the alcohol. I was walking out of a liquor store with a, ga a gallon of Canadian Club and drank almost the entire thing that night. And, um, you know, the next day I had about this much left and I was like, I have to drink that, but I'm going to need more. And it just, you know, it, it started off again. I didn't, I didn't respect people when they told me, you have a disease if you don't come up with a defense that you're going to drink again. I didn't believe them. But they were right. Um, <clears throat> and after a bunch more wreckage, um, I came in and I gave it an honest try. I came and I got a sponsor. I made coffee for three months. Um, I picked a home group. Um, I started going through the book with the sponsor. And lo and behold... The kid who struggled to get four days now has almost four years. Um, and all it took was a little bit of effort and just a little bit of, all right, this scares me and I don't understand it, but let me just do what you say anyway. Um, I had issues with God. You know, I was always, saw myself as very bright and um, very above that. Um, you know, I saw God as, as something that crazy people used or something that, people who just couldn't handle their lives used as some reason to be happy. When I learned that it was the opposite, I was the unhappy one because I completely refused to believe in any type of God. Um, but I learned that I didn't have to understand God in the beginning. I just had to understand, come to this meeting, make this coffee, do something nice for somebody and don't get any credit for it. Um, write this inventory, make amends for these wrongs. I could understand that. And through the process of doing that, I came to believe and came to find a God that I understood. Um, life sober isn't always easy. Um, you know, I've been through, you know, a couple job losses sober, two evictions sober. I'm just sober or not. I'm just terrible with my money. Um, <laughs> like breakups, uh, family deaths, um, Things that I never thought, you know, and, and when I was drinking, if I got a flat tire, it was a reason to get loaded, you know. Um, now I can find that I can get through almost anything and stay sober, you know. Um, 
so far anything and stay sober. Um, but it all depends on how quickly or how closely to uh, practicing these principles and all my affairs I am. Um, you know, I've <clears throat> been to some dark places sober where I didn't have a sponsor for months, um, where I didn't feel like coming to meetings, and I was miserable, you know? Um, like, AA, if, if, if all AA offered me was sobriety, I would have said no. If I knew that I was, all I was going to get out of this program was your life minus alcohol, I would have said no. Um, if AA said to me, we'll give you your old life back before you started drinking, I would have said no. Um, but what AA gave me was a brand new life. Um, you know, I, I'm the guy that I couldn't order a pizza if I didn't have a few drinks in me. Now I can literally stand in front of a room where I don't know anybody in a town I've been in for a couple weeks. Um, and I can connect with people, uh, because I know that anywhere I go, there's AA and anywhere there's AA, there's people like me. Um, and uh, I'm really grateful for this program. Um, you know, the biggest thing I <clears throat> sort of, I have family out in Seattle and, um, you know, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I've really not been out of Jersey much. So let me move to Seattle for a while, see if I like it. And I do, I do. Um, but the point is, when, when I was in Jersey, I remember I talked for a year and a half about moving to North Jersey from South Jersey. <laughs> <clears throat> and just could never seem to get it. I was just, I was just that guy at the bar, like, yeah, one of these days, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to get a job in New York. Good, 90 miles, couldn't do it. <clears throat> um, you know... And now it's like I, I have the freedom where I can literally go anywhere I want and um, do anything I want to do, and I can be okay, and I can be successful. Um, you know, I can, people are like, oh, how are you going to make friends? How are you going to find work? How are you going to get around? I'm like, hey, hey. I'm like, it's, you know, it's, that's always how I've gotten anything in the last couple of years. Um, but I got to do my best to, to, to pay back. Um, I never say no to anything in AA if I can help it. Um, and I think that's something that's really important to me, um, is to always give back. Um, where I'm from, we talk about AA thieves. And it's, it's a term I don't necessarily like, um, but I understand what they're saying. And um, you know, it's, it's someone who gets so many great gifts from this program, but doesn't try to put back into the program. And um, that's something that I, that I don't wanna, don't wanna be. Um, you know, my life as an alcoholic was, was not a good one, or as an active alcoholic was not a good one. Um, it was just incomprehensible demoralization five days a week, you know. Um, it just, and now, like, I'm happy with my life. Um, I'm content, and I'm happy with the person I am today more than anything else. Um, I can look in the mirror and I can be like, you know what, like, you're doing okay. You, know, you don't have everything you want, maybe never will, but <clears throat> you know how bad it could be, and you're not there anymore. Um, I've had a lot of close friends die in here. I've had kids I've sponsored die, um, and it's sad when it happens, but all I can do is treat it as a reminder of that could have been me, um, you know, but for the grace of God and the people in here, that could have been me, um, so...
that's all I got, I guess. Thank you very much for letting me speak. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, my sobriety birthday is one one ninety seven. Um, I have a home group. It's uh, Saturday Women Soul Searchers, and I um, also call uh, Serenity at Week's End um, my home group as well. I have a sponsor that um, I meet with every other week, still, and um, I sponsor. Um, some beautiful women, and um, I have some amazing women in my life from the AA program. Um, so I'm really, really, really super nervous, and um, yeah. So I've moved my glasses up, so you're all a bunch of blurs right now. <laughs> and hopefully that'll be helpful, because that's what I do when I share at my meetings. So, um, okay, so just a little background. Um, Let's see, I am the oldest of five girls, um, and um, we're, uh, as far as I know, um, all f- the four of us are alcoholics. I'm the only one in recovery right now. Um, my parents are alcoholics, but um, I didn't really get to see any of their drinking or partying or anything that was something that was saved till later at night. Um and my mother's still active, an active alcoholic, um, and I get to love her today because of this program just the way that she is, and I get to appreciate every um, moment that I get with her. Um, so I guess I'll share a little bit about how I grew up. Um, I, I, my earliest memory, I have been terrified of everything, afraid of everyone and everything. Um, I would... My mother, when I was little, would um, try and put hot sauce or something on my nails so that I wouldn't um, bite my fingernails because I was constantly biting my nails, picking my nails, scared of everything, everybody. Um, when I would when I would go out into the world, I was clinging onto my mother um, so tight, um, and um, that never went away. My mom really tried very hard to put me in social groups, preschool. It did not get any better. It only got worse. Um, And I could not make friends. Um, When I was younger, every school year, we were constantly changing schools. I believe I was in the fifth grade, and we were there um, from fifth grade to eighth grade, and that was the first time I ever had friends. Um, and I think I only had four of them, and I was, I'm very grateful for those four. Um, so I went to middle school. It was four, uh, four, fifth through eighth grade that I was able to make friends, and then, boom, I went to high school. And we were bussed out of our little town into this, um, I thought it was huge. It was Yakima. I'm from Union Gap. Um, and um, I went to um, one high school, and everybody from Union Gap went to the other high school. There were three of us that went to Union, uh, went to Eisenhower. And uh, once again, I am terrified, scared, lonely, frightened. Um, I never shared anything that was going on inside of my head with anybody, not even my sister that was um, my best friend. Um, and when I got to high school, um, big, huge, giant classrooms, 
um, not being able to talk to anybody or share anything, it was really hard for me to learn. Um, so I was bounced back and forth between skills classes and regular classes, excelling in skills and being kicked back into regular ones, so I never felt like I ever fit anywhere. It was like I'd get comfortable and then it was time to leave again. Um, and that went on until like my junior or my sophomore year. Um, I was 17. Um, well, I was 16 when I drank and I didn't care for it at all. I just said to somebody, it tastes like an old tire. I don't like that. It's gross. Um, and I could take it or leave it. And that was two times. Um, but I was getting to start to make friends from the classes that I was in. When I was in my skills class, it was a small group, tiny, tiny room, um, which I still like my AA meetings like that. Um, and I was able to, to talk a little bit and get a little bit more comfortable with the people in the rooms. And they were partiers. They were stoners. They had the long hair, the rock T-shirts, and um, I was able to make friends with them. Uh, but they liked to party and they liked to drink. And so um, those were the two times I drank with them, did not care for it. And um, I got involved with a, a boy. I thought he was cute and he paid attention to me. And um, I knew that I wanted to escape my home life. My parents weren't horrible. They just weren't present. They pretty much left me alone. I was never asked about schoolwork, if I made friends, nothing. It was just I was there. Um, but I wanted, I, I felt like a babysitter because um, I, I am the oldest. Um, so I wanted to escape and I wanted to run away and I had big dreams. I was going to be a photographer or a writer or something that was going to get me away from my home. And... Um, I had big de big ideas, and I worked really hard and did what I could with my schoolwork because um, I wanted to go away to an amazing school and travel the world. Um, but I met this boy, and um, in my home, we never said, I love you, and we never gave hugs. You just assumed those things were there. Um, and um, so a boy paid attention, and um, I ran away with him thinking, okay, this is an escape. Um, his dad um, was an alcoholic and drug addict, and that was my first experience of people using drugs and drinking in front of me. Um, and it was a very scary experience, so I ran home, and when I got home, I found out I was pregnant. Um, and I had my little girl, and I did not drink during any of that time. And I had this beautiful little girl still. I have a plan. I have a plan. These are the things I'm going to do even with a child. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do all these amazing things that I want to do. Um, and then school started, and I met another boy and his best friend. And we were hanging out at his house, and he decided, hey, let's get some beer. And I was like, oh, okay, this sounds fun. And I drank that night, and something was different. I blacked out for the first time ever, but it was the most amazing, beautiful feeling ever. I did not worry about anything. I didn't worry about these people in the room and what they thought about me. I didn't worry about um, the crazy that was going on in my head. The first time I could breathe, I could just relax. I'd been living in such a knot. Um, I felt like for the first time I could relax. And... Um, then, um, you know, it went really quick. In two years, I start. Uh, in two years, I was at AA. 
I, um, all my drinking quickly went to blackouts. I mean, everybody had to tell me what I was drink, you know, what I was doing. I was being told that um, I ran away. I jump out of cars. Um, I woke up one morning with my wrists completely bandaged up because I had slipped my wrists. I, um, I was angry. I was introduced to one of my girlfriend's friends when they opened up an elevator and came down and saw me um, tackling my boyfriend and punching him in the face and jumping on him. That is what my drinking looks like. Um, it, I would say horrible things to the people that I care about. And um, I just wanted that to stop, but I wanted to keep that, that feeling of not being terrified of anything. And there, I just couldn't do it. It just was not working for me. Everything that I wanted, I had friends, and I had, I felt like I could connect to people. That quickly went away. And um, I tried AA. I came to AA to appease everybody so that I would be forgiven. And I kept doing that and kept doing it. I could get bits of sobriety or abstinence, but I always went back out. I could not live life on life's terms. I still hadn't, t- you know, when they say that alcohol is only but a symptom, that was me. Because every time I was dry, I was that same little girl who could not deal with life on life's terms. And when um, on my last drunk, nothing was different. Every time I drank, I would wake up and still act surprised. Who tore this entire house apart? Why is everything broken? Um, and it was always a mess. And mirrors broken, windows broken, CDs, everything destroyed every single time I drank. And I was a binge drinker, so it happened every single weekend. And um, the last night I drank, my, um, my boyfriend told me what my drinking looked like. And for the first time in my life, I heard what he had to say. I heard the, the wreckage that I caused. And um, I was sitting over a toilet seat, just puking out my guts, and I could hear every single word. I could hear the pain and the hurt and the sadness. I could hear what I was doing to my daughter. And um, in that moment, I saw what my life looked like, and I saw what my life could be. And I saw hope. And that was the first thing, um, and first time in my entire life that I had ever felt hope. Because when I was little, before I started drinking, I wanted to die. I did not want to be here. God, to me, was, okay, when are you going to take me? When am I going to leave from here? It's miserable, and I hate it here. Um, And when I drank, that made everything better, but nothing is working today. And um, I had remembered the people in my life that had come from AA. I babysat for a family when I was younger, and the, those people were in AA. AA had been around me all my life, and I didn't know it. And um, I uh, sat there, and for that first moment, there was hope. And um, I had a choice to do something different. So um, I crawled back into the bed and went back to sleep. And the next morning I woke up and there were 
the a the big book and the twelve and twelve and a note that said, "Call AA. You need to go." And I called my girlfriend who um, knew somebody in this program, and that was the very first time that I ever took direction. And I did what um, was suggested, and since then my life has been beautiful, and it's been amazing. Um, I did not struggle um, much with the powerlessness because I walked in here and I knew I could not do I could not do this. My life was unmanageable. Um, the second, you know. Restored to sanity. I had no idea what sanity looked like because if you told me I was going to go back to what I was living before I started drinking, that's not a sanity I wanted. And I was showing the nine step promises. And that's what sanity is to me today. And um, when I did my first step and I looked at all those moments, all of those things that I had done when I was drinking, jumping out of cars, uh, disappearing constantly nobody wanted to take me anywhere I was getting ditched all the time and I couldn't figure it out um and you know a girlfriend of mine would get really angry and didn't have very many girlfriends but um I was always looking for people who could buy me alcohol or if you had it we'd go to a gas station to go get gas and I'd find guys that had alcohol and I would want to get in cars with them I would wake up and not know where I was and have to run out down the street to look at a street sign to figure out where I was. Um, Something was greater protecting me and taking care of me through all of that. Um, And so when I got to the third step, it was um, I had an idea And then I was told that it could be my idea. And that person, to me, my God, is love and compassion and understanding and forgiveness. And that was what my God started out as. Um, And when I got to fourth, my fourth step, I found out that I was no longer the victim or the martyr, that I had power in my life. And that was, I can't do anything about you, but I can do something about me. And when I got to six and seven, I learned those tools that I did not have to be so frightened and scared of this world. My current sponsor reminds me of everything that I am that I was always terrified in life happening. It happened, and I made it through, and I made it sober. Um, and when I'm working with these principles in my life, I feel connected to God, and I feel connected to people, and I may have fear or loneliness or sadness, but I have an answer for all of those today. Um, And for me, it was, I I went through all of these steps and I, um, life got great and it got beautiful and it got big fast. Um, Right away, I got a house and I got a teaching position because I had, I don't know if it's because of the way I grew up, but I have an understanding of small children and how to work with them. And um, so for whatever reason, I only made it to classes that had child psychology or child development. (laughs) So um, that made sense. That came easy and quick for me. Um, And so I got a house and I got a job and I got to go back to school and all these magical, beautiful things happened. And I... um, started to forget what this program gave me. And um, 
I didn't work it. I worked it very minimal, what the minimum was. I would come to a meeting late, and I would leave early, and I didn't sponsor anybody. And um, I didn't have a home group. I went to meetings, and I thought that was great, and, and I did the principles the best I could, nor I was willing to do at that at that time. And um, life was okay. It was better than where I came from. And... Um, when um, my sister that is 13 months younger than me, um, she passed away. She, uh, she went out. She, um, she tried to work this program. And she went back out, and um, she was not able to get back in. She was, um, she was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, that was her night. She went out. She partied. Her and her boyfriend got into a fight, and she didn't make it back. And um, that was the beginning where I started to feel angry at this disease. And I talked with my sponsor just this morning about how that anger kept me from going back out. But um, I was uh, dry. And um, when I'm not working this program, I become that person that I was when I was drinking. I blame I'm angry. I expect you to make me happy. I make people my God. And um, I'm a pretty miserable, awful person to be around. Um, I want to make sure everything on the outside of the world looks great, but inside I am just um, just angry and hating life. Um, I had a huge part in my marriage ending. I could not find understanding and compassion or love. Those things were not in my life anymore. And uh, my marriage ended. My daughter was with two sick alcoholics. Um, I did not go back out, but um, I felt as miserable as I did before I started drinking, when I was drinking. And um, I found, I mean, everything that I had, again, that was beautiful, I was losing. And... um, I started to behave the way I was, um, reaching out for anything that was going to fill that hole inside of myself because I did not want to come back to AA. I did not want to do this again. And I didn't have a choice. Um, I felt like I'm going to die if I don't do something different. And I got down on my hands and my knees and I prayed to God. And um, the phone rang and it was a man in Atlanta, I think it was. And he, was, he came to treatment here in Seattle, and I told him the truth. I told him everything, because I remember this program saying honesty. That is number one. So I, I was honest. I told him everything. I told him who I was, what I was doing, and how I felt. And uh, he said to me, I have a number of a woman that you can call, and you can help her. And I called this woman. And um, because she was struggling with this disease, and um, she took me to my first meeting here, back here again, and got my foot back into this program. And I heard my sponsor say once in a meeting that she had a lot of, um, I can't even remember the word, but um, I just have a lot more gratitude for this program. Um, when I came back, I knew I had to do everything different from before. And um, so I started going to women's meetings because women were never a part of my story. I had maybe two or three females in my life 
And um, so I came back and I started going to women's meeting, reaching out and being vulnerable and saying, you know, I'm Sarah, I'm, I need some friends. And um, the women in this program are amazing because um, this one woman said, okay, here's my number, call me. Um, I was willing to do the things that um, that I was asked to do. I was that desperate again. And I, um, I would reach out, I would call people, I would make dates, I was doing anything um, that I was asked to do. I kept looking for a sponsor and I kept, you know, they would say yes and then there would be some reason that we couldn't work together. And one woman told me... Um, I can't be your sponsor, but your sponsor's here in Ballard. I know she is. And I was like, okay. So I went to this meeting, and I kept going to this meeting and hearing this beautiful woman talk about life in the way I wanted so bad because through dry and drinking and as a small child, I had attachment to the way I thought life was supposed to be. And I held on to that attachment, and that's where all of my sadness and pain and hurt came from. And I would go into this meeting every Thursday and hear this woman share her experience, strength, and hope. And things would happen in her life that were sad or disappointing or frustrating. And she just seemed to dance through life and just smile. And she wasn't hooked or snagged onto anything. And I walked up to her and asked her to be my sponsor. And... Um, that is when I started this new journey, walking through the 12 steps in the most beautiful way. And I learned at that moment that um, this is a forever program for me, that I have to remain teachable, that I have the opportunity to keep growing. And um, I love that. I love that because with that... Um, Nothing just has to be the same. I keep growing my perspective, my outlook, my understanding, my compassion. It keeps growing. And um, I get it because I come here and I do these things that I'm asked. My, um, a very special man in my life told me once when I was explaining my dry period and um, through AA and why I why I go to all these meetings and why I sponsor so many women and why I love this program so much. Um, I was talking to him about, um, he told me that um, if somebody is in the hole in prison and you let him out of the hole, they're still in a prison. And I look at that because the more that I grow and I learn and I'm vulnerable and I ask, the freer I get. Because it was okay to be, to do the stuff that I was asked at a minimum. But today, um, when life happens, I get to show up the best that I can. And I get to feel the feelings that I have and I get to be okay with them. Life is not... Um, after me. It's not trying to hurt me. I'm not a victim. I'm not a martyr. I have choices and I get to be free today. Um, and, you know, as far as like I said, I didn't have very many women in my life. Today, I have so many beautiful women. And when I say I'm scared, they understand. I am not afraid to say the things that go on inside of my head, although sometimes they look at me like I'm a little crazy. I say them because I know there's a solution, and I know that I never 
have to be alone, ever. If I choose to be alone, it is because I made that choice. I learned in this program that um, I wasn't a bad person trying to get good, that I was a sick person trying to get well. And I have also learned in this program that um, what being alone is and what loneliness is. I didn't know what either one of those are. And today I can appreciate being alone with myself and the things that go on in my head. And I get to, um, and if I'm lonely, I can pick up the phone and say I'm lonely or I'm scared or I don't know what's going to happen. Um, And the thing, you know, I don't have a lot of friends outside of this program. Um, When I was dry, I had tons of active alcoholics. But when I can say something like, and there's been times in, in my sobriety that I felt like God isn't with me. They understand. And when I say things like I'm living in fear, I'm understood. Um, And I have an understanding of others. Um, I didn't do well on, you know, doing any of this stuff before. And um, today I just do what I'm asking when life comes at me and it comes at me fast. Um, I I learn these simple tools of just taking a breath. And not, you know, sharing my feelings. Um, and um, life's been good. I Life is nothing like I imagined it at all. And I'm a great planner and I'm a list maker. Um, you know, and like I was talking to my sponsor today, the more that I, I trust my God and I love my God, but I'm not always the fastest to let go of what I'm holding on to. Um, and it has been proven, proven so many times in my life. The gifts that he brings me are so much greater than I imagined. I was holding on to a marriage that was just falling apart and full of sadness. And today I get to have a relationship with beautiful women. I have an amazing partner. And um, it's not what I had pictured at all. Um, I was expecting at this age to be buying a house in Yakima and hanging out and retiring and so not it. Um, I had dreams of being rich and famous and uh, singing. I came up here to be a musician. I didn't learn how to sing at all. I was not willing to do those things. Um, so today for me, my biggest dream is to live in, in the mountains and grow my own food. And my singing career, I sing to little children. And um, it makes them happy. You know, my life is about what can I do for others instead of what can you do for me. And um, that's all I have. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.